This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to offer diagnosis or treatment for any medical or psychological conditions. All treatment decisions should be made in partnership with your health professional. This is Advice from Mom. On this episode of Advice from Mom, get ready for some amazing dating advice. Most relationships, the only problems are the ones that we can't talk about. I go deep with it, so I always want to find out a man's relationship with his mother. Was your father around? Are you employed? Do you have a job? What is your credit score? I look at his shoes. Are they torn, tattered, and raggedy? Love, like so many other life experiences, just comes in so many random different packages that the best you can do is to try and condition yourself to be open to however it presents itself. And of course, we, we all must remember that we can't change the other person. We can only change ourselves. And uh, it's the good news and the bad news. Especially if you are someone who doesn't walk around through life feeling that spark when you interact with others or when you're engaged in an, in an activity, you may not experience that spark when dating. You know, it get cold and people want to cuddle and they want a cupcake and you get in your feelings and you want to make love. That's another thing. Make love to yourself. Learn how to love yourself. So whether you're looking for Mr. Right, Ms. Right, or what's right inside you, join us for an introspective episode on dating with advice from Mama B and other wise dating experts. Each question you'll hear today will get three doses of advice. First, you'll hear from Mama B, my psychologist mother who's on a one-woman mission to mother a mentally healthy world. Then you'll hear from me, her daughter, Rebecca. I'm happy to help with this mental heal, but I just have a few follow-up questions in a segment we like to call Mother Daughter Pickleball. Each question will also get a second opinion, because it's always good to get a second opinion. And we've got some amazing dating experts on this episode. Every question you'll hear on today's show has been sent in by a fellow listener like you. We're always taking new questions. So if you want some advice from mom, just go to advicefrom.mom, that's right, .mom, not .com, and request advice. You can also call or text 706-9-ASK-MOM. I know what you're thinking. Holy moly, she got a phone number that's as cool as her URL. Yeah, I'm a nerd like you. I can't help it. Our next episodes are going to be about career woes and breakup woes. So if you've got questions on either of those, send them in ASAP. But really, if you have the thought, hmm, I wonder what Mama B will think, just send us the question. I'll let you know what she thinks. I'm someone, as my mother will tell you, who has had a boyfriend kind of nonstop since I was like 14. Would you say that's right, Mom? Yes. In fact, um, let's go back to um, daycare. Uh-oh. <laughs> Mom, Josh, you won't dance with me. How old was I when I said that? Real little. You were in daycare, sweetie. You were, I don't know, under three. Well, I mean, you put me in daycare at six weeks old, so that could be a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. Embarrassment goes both ways. Oh, I was trying to establish us as experts. That's actually why I was talking about oh, yes, always yes. having I'm a boyfriend. Sorry. At least age 14 and maybe sooner. So then I got married when I was 31. So I have 17 years of dating experience. Wow. And you married dad when you were 35. Mm-hmm. When did you start dating? I was probably in eighth grade. We went sledding. Ooh, Wisconsin fun snow activity. Oh, yeah. And he kissed me. Oh, that's dating. Well, no, it's not. But it was very, very exciting. Always after that, I, I think I always loved being outside and having fun and thinking maybe I'll get kissed today. It's true. You liked sledding when I was growing up more than I liked it. Uh, yep. I continued to do it even after you left home. Maybe you were just hoping Dad would come out and give you a kiss. But uh, speaking of snow, do you want to tell everyone where you are right now? I'm in um, snowy, cold Pittsburgh. Our temperature is around 5 degrees, and with the chill factor, it's minus 2. It's extra rainy here in San Francisco, so it's definitely podcasting weather. It sure is. So we might as well get started. Let's hear our first question. This is Advice from Mom. For those who miss the puppy love of a younger age. Here's the question. I'm a straight man knocking on 40's door. I feel like I've been single forever. I was in love once in my late 20s. After about two and a half years, I ended it. Twice. Because we couldn't seem to get past the fact that I didn't communicate well or enough. Whether it was talking about everyday things, or giving her space to communicate, or communicating my love for her. She's married now with a family, living far away. I still care for her like no other person in the world. But she needed more, and somehow I wasn't expressing the full depth of my love. I might look good on paper, but I just can't seem to make anything stick. I've had a long string of two to three month lady friends that just end because I don't feel connection, conversation, or commonalities are strong enough to go on. I am all but certain that the fault lies with me and my communication. Similar issues to those with my ex 10 years ago. While I often retreat to introversion, the truth is my quiet belies my desire to share, connect, and grow with a partner. Perhaps if I were more open, I could find more ways to connect. The more this situation of my singleness lingers, the more I feel like I should detach from apps, try to stop pining for ladies, and focus on self-actualization, if that's even possible. I suppose I still strive for the connection like the one I had in my 20s. Is that kind of puppy love unrealistic now that I'm nearing 40? At the same time, there has to be a spark, doesn't there? How do I find a spark on a first date with a stranger from some stupid app? Signed, knock, knock, knockin' on 40's door. And now, here's some advice from my mom. Thanks so much for your question. Knockin' on 40's door. You ask good questions and have excellent insights. For example, you say, should I stop pining away for a partner and just get focused on self actualization. Well, self-actualization, that's quite a sophisticated term. But anyway, I think most of us know what it means. 
in your question, you ask, if I get a little more social than I am, wouldn't that help me along in my search for a mate? And the answer, of course, is yes, yes, yes. It's a really good idea to widen the scope of your life. I think it's always a good idea to do that. So meet new people, males, females. I was thinking maybe get a dog, but I don't think getting a dog would be a good idea in this situation. Earlier I mentioned change your life circumstances. It doesn't matter in what realm, but I caution you to do it very slowly. I'm very much in favor of taking what I call baby steps, and that way the changes aren't too disruptive. So ease yourself into new things. You may already realize that your expectations are very, very high. And maybe your expectations are acting as a set of barriers to getting what you want right now. Do you think that you might be able to lower your expectations around the dating and, and wanting to find a partner? And of course, acceptance of reality as it is, is usually a pretty tough one for most people. But I think it brings with it great rewards. Sometimes people find journaling really helpful. Other people say, no, I tried that, it's not for me. You might just be that kind of person who benefits from writing things down only when you feel like doing it. It shouldn't be, I have to do this every evening or whatever. It shouldn't be like that. It should be when you feel moved to do it. Learn as much as you can about those experiences that you had in your late 20s. If you can learn from that experience, of course, as we get older, the things that you look at in your past can have meaning that you never would have seen. When you think back to some of those experiences, do things ever click? I ask you that because this can give you good feedback about what kind of characteristics or what kind of situations are really very, very, very important to you. Part of this is getting to know yourself. Always, it's important to trust what your inner voice is saying to you. It's been with you forever, and it has accumulated a tremendous amount of knowledge and wisdom about what's best for you, what's to avoid, and so forth. I don't know if you've thought about this knocking on 40's door, but sometimes people do go through a crisis just before a big birthday. That might be part of what's you know making it especially difficult for you. People tend to size up their life and evaluate things a little bit more at the time of a big birthday. Bottom line is, most important, find your own comfortable niche in which you feel calm and at peace. That inner peace will give you a chance to really figure things out in a much better way. Then things will start to fall into place. Time for Mother Daughter Pickleball. I'm actually kind of surprised that you didn't mention communication more. To me, that's what really called out about this question is he feels like he's, I don't want to go as far as to say he's handicapped, but he feels like that's almost the the dead end in relationships for him. He's making reference to making the space for her to communicate and communicating my love for her. Mm -hmm. 
That's such a good point, Rebecca. Thank you for pointing that out. One of the reasons that maybe I didn't think about emphasizing the communication is that I think he already knows that. And he's already kind of blaming himself that he's not a good communicator. Well, that's not a pathway to becoming a better communicator, blaming yourself. What is a better pathway? I think what I tried to focus on is that he may want to first get more comfortable with his own self. He's got lots of skills. Once we accept ourselves, and that probably means accepting the reality that maybe a a very uh, well-developed, skillful nice, charming person who's looking for a mate will have a tough time finding a good match. I mean, they're not just going to be everywhere. The first step for him would be to just get more comfortable with who he is. And if he starts to expand his activities, I think he will become more comfortable with communicating. And it won't be such a big deal. It won't be like he freezes. It won't be like it's such a pressure. But of course, therapy is always an option. I'm always amazed that some clients need only one or two sessions to feel like they're back on track. If he's willing to consider therapy, that might be the quickest way. But you make a very good point take a uh, course in communication? Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) There's a lot of really practical advice in here about things he can do. Certainly uh, taking a communication class would be one of them. I'd say also when you were talking about getting a pet Mm -hmm. or doing more activities out in the world, I think all of that is kind of about the fight against loneliness, yeah. It's not just about a singleness, it's also about a loneliness. And and everyone's fighting against loneliness, whether they're in a relationship or not. We don't want to be lonely. There's many people who are very happy alone and want to spend a lot of time alone and need alone time in their lives. But that idea of loneliness is, is a horrible one. And no wonder he's trying so hard to fight against it. Very well put. So, Mom, do you believe that there's just one person for everyone? Nope. No? No, not at all. I think there are many opportunities. And whenever there's a matchup between two people, the big issue is, eventually is, how well do they negotiate? They're going to come up to all kinds of sources of discomfort and conflict that's a normal relationship. It happens in friendships. It happens with partners. It happens with the person who sits next to you at the desk at work. It's a normal piece of human interaction. So the key is, I think, the flexibility to either accept that the other person and you are not well matched, which it sounds like uh, knocking on 40's door is pretty good at, and move on, or try to negotiate with that person so that you can create a space in which both of you feel comfortable. It has to be worked on, and in fact, your whole life, it has to be worked on. If you're going to stay in a relationship, it's because you've worked really hard at it, and you've negotiated, and you've 
tried to be flexible and you've tried to understand the other person. So it's a whole set of skills, maybe what they call emotional intelligence. But even then, it may not work out. Did I answer? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like the most unromantic answer ever. (laughs) Yes, I really don't entertain too many romantic notions because I I think they're kind of damaging. I think I remember being about 10 years old and being a very romantic child. Yeah. Definitely subscribing to the Someday My Prince Will Come music box in my room. (laughs) I I pressed subscribe to that (laughs) or wound it up as they did in the old days. And I remember you telling me love is a chemical that affects your body for no more than two years. Yeah. Yeah. And crushing my my romantic childhood (laughs) dreams of someday my prince will come. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. So hopefully we're not crushing any romantic dreams, but just um, putting them in the context of reality. I mean, in some ways for knocking on 40's door, two to three months to figure out whether this person is right, even if it's that it fizzles out after that time, mm-hmm. as long as it's not this kind of over romance, like it's the one that got away every single time, which it doesn't sound like it's that, you know, it doesn't sound like he's heartbroken no. over these two to three month lady friends. Right. It does sound like he's heartbroken about that epic relationship in his 20s. It sounds like maybe in his head, it's become almost like an epic movie that won all the Oscars of his heart. Mm. And since then, he's kind of after this next epic film of romance. Mm. And instead, he's just having these reruns of old relationships. (laughs) He's just seeing these little short Uh, segments. B-movies, huh? He's seeing B-movies. He wants some Oscar nominees. Yeah. So as far as these B-movie type relationships he's been having recently, I would say they're not a waste of your time if you're learning something new from each relationship, especially if you're learning something about yourself. That's a very, very good point. I don't think there's any relationship experience that is a waste. If he truly feels like he's not learning new things, maybe he needs to evaluate who these lady friends are. You know, has he confined himself to, I only like Ivy League veterinarian ladies or something like that? Like, (laughs) has he confined himself to this very, very strict guideline of the kind of woman he likes? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe he should date a cocktail waitress that lives in Las Vegas. You know, what would he (laughs) learn about himself from doing that? Oh, you're so extreme, Rebecca. Well, I mean, I had uh, an extreme bout of dating myself. I felt like I was kind of getting into a rut of dating similar gentlemen. So I just went on dates with someone who was so incredibly different. Someone that I, I almost kind of made fun of how different he was from me. I mean, I still enjoyed it. I still was in the relationship and learned new things from it. I went with him to his ranch in Texas, if you remember yes, that, Mom. Yes, yes, yes. And then shortly after, I met someone who was perfect for me. Uh-huh. You benefit from all that experience because then when you find the person you're going to settle down with, you know, you know what's out there. You know how this person fits into the larger picture. So I think uh, dating a lot really yeah, has great benefit. We've actually been mispronouncing this person's nickname. Oh, sorry. It should be knock, knock, knock it on 40's door. <laughs> um, well, hopefully we got knocking on 40's door out of his comfort zone so he can go do something crazy <laughs> like buy a pet. 
or date a cocktail waitress. <laughs> That's a great idea, Rebecca. Do what scares you. Oh, you love to say that. I do like to say that. You also love to tell people to lower their expectations. I do. Our second opinion today comes from someone who has spent time professionally matchmaking. Oh, sorry, I said that wrong. Professionally matchmaking. Before she got her start in matchmaking and now life coaching, she could be found in New York's Washington Square Park next to a sign that said free advice. That's right, we got free advice, girl. I know, she's our soul sister. Both mom and I cross-generational soul sister, and we are very excited that she decided to be part of the podcast. Hi, knock, knock, knocking on 40's door. I'm right there with you, so you're not alone. Hi, my name is Lisa Podell, and I am a former matchmaker for The Dating Ring, a fantastic matchmaking service, and I am the current founder of Better Sessions. We are a team of executive and personal life coaches who provide one-on-one support that empower adults to work, learn, and live better. We basically help you do what you love better. You know, it's extremely common when approaching an age that ends in zero to reflect a little more, much like on New Year's, when we look back and get real with ourselves about what we didn't like. And, you know, we celebrate what we did and create some new goals for the new year. So this is a great time to try something new in hopes that we get some new results. So, first off, based on your story, it sounds like you are totally self-aware and analytical. This is probably a great strength of yours and a quality that can probably also stand in your way. So my first question to you is, how can you get out of your head and more into your body and your heart when thinking about your situation? Uh, That may sound a little weird, so let me explain. It's very normal for people to get stuck in their heads, and it's the moment when we take a break from thinking about the problem that we gain more clarity. For some people, this looks like going for a run, taking a yoga class, having a dance party, going bowling even. Uh, So this allows you to spend some quality time with yourself. And as you reconnect with yourself, it puts you in a more likely position to connect more strongly with others, especially when you're dating. If it doesn't come naturally to you for you to connect with others, or like in your past relationship, you mentioned communicating your feelings, then a helpful step would be to put yourself in scenarios that exercise that muscle. So this may feel a little outside the box to you, but I recommend taking acting classes, which inherently taps into these lovely soft skills such as communication, active listening, and very important quality, trust, and all those juicy intimacies that create the basis for a strong relationship, not just with dating another person, but a strong relationship with yourself and being comfortable connecting to yourself. If you don't want to try acting, though, my advice advice would be to try an activity that is different from the norm for you, whether it's an art class, a sports league. You know, these things allow you to practice connecting with others without that added pressure of dating. The last thing I want to touch upon is this concept of a spark. So this makes me think about other areas in your life. So my question to you is, When are the moments that you experience this idea of a spark? 
when you heighten that awareness about what excites you in other areas of your life, it can help you gain greater clarity about what qualities do it for you. Also, as a former matchmaker and current life coach who has had my fair share of conversation about dating, it is totally common for couples that end up together not to necessarily feel this so-called spark in the beginning. Uh, especially if you are someone who doesn't walk around through life feeling that spark when you interact with others or when you're engaged in an, in an activity, you may not experience that spark when dating. And that's not a bad thing at all. It may be time to let go of that limited expectation of a spark and look for other signals that show whether this person is a compatible match for you. So the more you feel comfortable with yourself, and practice ways of increasing your connection to yourself, the easier I think it's going to be while you're on a date to be fully present with that person and also be open to seeing the possibilities that this person could be your next match. I hope you found this helpful and I wish you luck knock, knock, knocking on 40's door. All right, knocking on 40's door. Good luck. Go meet, go meet the woman of your expectations. Once they're lowered. Bravo. <laughs> Go ahead. Do it. Some lady out there is going to be very lucky to meet such an introspective gentleman. Up next, find out why you would make a list of everyone you've ever dated. But first, this. Hello, podcast listeners. You might have noticed that our first episode was structured a bit differently than other podcasts in its delivery. Each answer was its own audio track. Our idea was to make a kind of album of advice, letting you pick and choose which one you listen to, which I think is still a cool concept, but I don't want it to get in the way of your listening. As you will notice with this episode, we are flowing smoothly from one question to the next, like a river. So what do you think? Do you prefer the album format of one bite-sized answer per audio track, or the river format where one answer flows to the next? Go to advicefrom.mom slash feedback and tell us which one you like. Help us determine how to format our next episode on Workplace Woes. This is Advice From Mom. For those who feel misunderstood while dating. Here's the question. I'm hesitant to admit this, but I'm worried that men don't understand me. I'm a 31-year-old female, and I know that this is such a cliche, but I'm slowly starting to feel like it's true. The men I've dated recently are either afraid of commitment, ignore the underlying meaning to things, or don't realize when their actions or words mean something so much bigger. When do you consider it general male density, or actually something they're hinting at, but are afraid to admit out loud? Signed, Doubtful Dater. And now, here's some advice from my mom. Well, you really gave me a good question here. First of all, let me just say, it sounds like maybe these guys are just trying to be diplomatic and not saying anything that might hurt your feelings. And it also sounds like what you are saying in your question is, those men don't get me. And I would say, trust it, they don't understand you because men don't have to. 
In this society, men have a lot more power than we women, and they can often do whatever they want to do in relationships. Maybe admit that to yourself. For many reasons, I think men often are in charge of the relationship. Not always, but often. Is that how you want it to be? Are you willing to do the hard work of finding that rare, wonderful guy who gets you and likes you? I think it is hard work. In terms of some practical suggestions, I think you have a couple of choices. The first one I'm going to suggest is, have you thought about having a period of not dating? Up to you how long that would be, but it might give you a little bit of a cooling off period and a a bit of a chance to think about what you want and who you are and what you would like in your life. Second, I have heard many good things about eHarmony. In fact, some of the women I know have met their partners on eHarmony and are just delighted. The third choice is more analytic. I'm going to invite you to sit down with a piece of paper and make a chart, a kind of a grid. And on the left-hand side, you'll put the names of all the guys you've had a relationship with, even, you know, way back, way back. So it should be a big piece of paper or maybe multiple pieces of paper. Across the top of the chart, write a series of qualities that you would want in a man and a partner. For example, you might write, I want a man who is okay with commitment. I want a man who is direct and honest. Or finally, a man who is willing to talk about what's going on inside his head, inside his heart, inside his soul. Then you will have a chance to rate each one of the relationships in terms of those and any other qualities that you think are important. Also from the chart, if uh, you want to, you can ask the question, what did I learn from each of these relationships? And there again, you may need a lot of paper or you may not need too much. Whatever comes out of this is fine and good. Uh, This chart is a way for you to analyze some of the patterns in your past relationships. Hopefully they can help you to choose a man who treats you the way that you prefer and who has those kind of qualities that you're really looking for. And of course, we we all must remember that we can't change the other person. We can only change ourselves. And uh, it's the good news and the bad news. Sometimes if a bad experience occurs in either childhood or in high school or, or something like that, it can influence our thinking about relationships for the rest of our lives. It sounds like maybe your life experience is trying to tell you that it's, it's really important to protect yourself from jerks. Maybe there are a lot of jerks out there. Many of us think that. I don't want to do any male bashing here, though. Because why bash men when you can bash pickleballs? Time for Mother Daughter Pickleball. I love when you told Dateful Doubter that maybe she should get out several pieces of paper. I like that, too. (laughs) And you know what you just said? What? You just said Dateful Doubter. That's so cute. 
I like it. That could be the name of our new dating website to combat <laughs> the website that my mom continually pushes on anyone under 40 who's not married, a.k.a. eHarmony. You can really find your match on eHarmony. <laughs> I've always said that I think it's harder for smart women. Oh, of course. Absolutely. The thing that was a little bit worrisome to me about your advice for doubtful dater, dater, doubtful, uh-huh. that it's almost like you're saying there is some big thing that she doesn't know about. Oh. About herself, you know? Like, she's kind she's kind of worried in there that uh-huh. everyone else sees something that she doesn't. Uh, that, But it's a good point. And one of the things that I didn't feel comfortable saying was that when I went to Europe, it felt to me that the men were really qualitatively different than American men. But I always thought that it would be a lot easier to maybe find interest, excitement, meeting of the minds with somebody from another culture. You're telling Doubtful Dater to live out your uh, European fantasies. Yeah. That you didn't get to live out. Yeah, that's that's really not fair. I mean, we're giving a list of suggestions of things she could try. Mm-hmm. And I think that's as valid as anything else. Yeah. Mama B recommends that you get romanced by an Italian man. <laughs> no, I don't know about Italians. Okay, what culture would you like Doubtful Dater to be romanced by if we're being specific? Oh, uh, let me think. A Frenchman? Okay. Frenchman. From somebody from the Netherlands? Yeah, you're, you're confusing me here. I'm not sure. Like an Icelandic um, <laughs> Viking. <laughs> yeah. Like a big one. Yeah, now it's getting fun. This is this is good. <laughs> we should have given these kind of suggestions to everyone. Well, I uh, wasn't in the punch-drunk mood I was, I'm in today. Oh, man. Who gave my mom punch? I'm just listing choices. She can make her own choices. I think the best choice is to make a list, to make a chart, and take a look at it. I want to ask you some more questions about this chart list. Yeah. Once you have a list of these qualities, Uh the positive qualities you're looking for, how long do you think you have to date them before you know? Like, I mean, I think that's another trap that a lot of people fall into is they're almost too judgmental of like, you know, on the first date he said this, which means that he's actually secretly afraid of commitment and then you know you cut it off too soon and you don't find out that like he's been gunning to have babies for eight years now that's a really good point too i do think that you need to give it a little bit of time everybody's on their best behavior at the beginning so they're not likely to show you who they really are yeah it's like they're on their best behavior but they're also oftentimes like weirdly awkward to meet someone especially in the dating context is so loaded like with my husband brian i feel like the person that i met maybe the first five dates was not who i married like the guy i married was much more awesome than the super nervous guy that i went on a couple dates with But he didn't show me that the true, what I found to be the true amazing qualities until I got to know him better. And that's kind of hard to know. Yeah. Different things come out later on. You can't always know at the beginning. So yeah, it takes time. I think your idea of a time without dating. Yeah. We need some like dramatic name for it. You're good at that. Like maybe we say it in French or something like that. <laughs> Le date du mort. The death of the dating. Oh, golly. I think that's a great 
piece of advice because I think a lot of times when people are dating a lot, they can get into these kind of spirals of like, okay, who's next? And we're going on a second date, third date. Okay, this person started out and we're going on this date, this date. And it's almost hard to like cultivate the rest of your social Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. But if you cultivate the rest of your social life, you'll have an awesome social life that will lead to more fruitful beginnings. People are just going to be like, please date me. And you're going to be like, no, le date du monde. (laughs) You know, maybe you set like a three month, maybe you're like, I shall not date in the autumn months. (laughs) And then like by the time December rolls around, they're going to be eating out of your palm and you're going to go on an amazing first date with this guy you've kind of put off for multiple months. I mean, if my mom can talk about dating guys from the Netherlands, I think I can throw out like, (laughs) you know, why don't you make them hold on for three months? Okay, I love it. To get a second opinion for this question, I actually went on a little bit of a field trip. I printed out the question after work one day and took it over to the office of my husband, Brian. He has a coworker who lights up the room. This woman is amazing, so charismatic, and I knew that she would have great advice for Doubtful Dater. Is she saying something about they do or say means something bigger? Yeah, they're not getting the bigger picture. She's seeing things as symbolic. You know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do this, does that mean that he doesn't really like me? No, he just hasn't been taught. He hasn't been trained. Oh, there's the advice. There it is, right there. I'm very excited for you to meet Rhonda. Good evening. My name is Rhonda Lachey Metcalf. I'm currently a native of San Francisco, California. I am 52 years old, and I am a single, proud African-American mother of a 24-year-old college graduate son. I am a full-time employee for UCSF. I currently work in facility services dispatching. I'm very proud to say that I also went back to school last year, and I also finished two associate degrees. I was working full-time and going to school full-time and managed to hold straight A's when I completed. What I would say to the doubtful dater is the next man that she meets, I would recommend that she sets up some form of interview process without even letting him know. It seems like she's looking for someone who is filled more with emotion. When you ask them the first time, when you first meet them, that's the probably the most honest period of the, the relationship. That Because they're so interested in you first, and they like you, so they want to make that impression. So they're pretty much going to do anything and pretty much put themselves online raw and let you know more about them. So how do you interview someone without them knowing it? Like, how do you how do you do that? Well, it's easy to do that. When you first meet somebody, the first thing they do is they look at the physical beauty. They say, oh, she's cute. I'm You know, when you met your husband, there was something about you that he saw physically. A very bright-eyed, pleasant, wonderful smile of an individual. Compliments will get you everywhere. Right. So then once you sit down and talk to an individual, there should be a lot of questions. There should be primary questions. I go deep with it. So I always want to find out a man's relationship with his mother. Was your father around? Are you employed? Do you have a job? What is your credit score? I look at his shoes. Are they torn, tattered, and raggedy? How does that not sound like an interview? Those are such interview questions. You're interviewing them. You're interviewing them, but they don't know that. How do they not know? Well, you're not writing it down either. You're taking a mental note of all the things that you need to know. This is the prerequisite to him before he even gets a date, before he even gets a kiss, before he even gets the sex. 
why would you sit and we're going to have our first meal together and not ask, we're just going to sit and talk about how delicious the food is? No, I want to know everything. I want to know your shoe size. I want to know how many baths you take a week. Yeah, what is your what is your credit score? You ever filed bankruptcy before? Yeah. Absolutely. I've done yeah. it many times. Yeah. Just like I just dropped it here, I would drop it there right yeah. at the dinner table. And see, things like that, it's, it may be personal information, but yeah. are you going to tell me the truth? If you meet these people and you interview them before you bring them around you and your family and into your household, I think you can find out a lot of valid information that will determine your, your decision whether or not to go on a second, a third, a fourth date. Next thing you know, they're taking their shoes off and they're kicking back under your living room table watching your TV on your cable t- television that you're paying the bills for. Are you speaking from experience? Absolutely. Things that I speak about are definitely from experience or experiences from other people that I saw them go through that and go through hundreds of thousands of dollars and end up with a broken heart and a broken bank account. Sometimes you got to test a man, set up certain situations to see whether or not is he ready for you to come and meet his family or meet his boys that are important to him that he hangs out with all the time. But what if it never goes that far because you took away the romance? That's fine, but I'm a self-assured individual. So either you like me or you don't. I've been in situations where I've been in long-term relationships and live with individuals, but there's times like now I haven't been in a relationship probably maybe three, four, five five years. So I've become comfortable with that. But I've also, um, no one wants to be lonely. Everybody wants to have a mate. Don't get it twisted. I would love to have one too. But I'm not willing at this point in my life to accept a lot of the the problems that come with that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to interview you. I'm going to ask you questions. And out of those first 10 or 15 questions, if they don't meet my requirements, then it's time I have to go. And I might lose a good man at that point. I might scare him off. But also... If I've asked you those questions and they don't meet my requirements, then you wasn't right for me to begin with. There's going to be someone else right for him, and I'm okay with that. I wouldn't have a problem with him walking away. I sleep very good at night, darling. How do you recommend someone become more self-assured? Loving yourself, finding out what it is that you want out of a man that makes you tick that's going to make you gravitate to the man that you want first of all we want to be with the with the loved ones but i want to be with the right one learning how to please yourself inside and out when i want something new i don't wait for a man to go buy it for me i go get it i shop all the time if i want some diamond earrings or whatever i'm not going to wait to meet a new man so he can go buy me some quarter carrots 888 brandon street down at the gift center they open all day long you go in there and you get what you want you know, we can't wait around. Life is too short. That's the other thing. Tell her to don't wait around. Life is too short. Oh, you just told her. Why are why are we? I'll, put, I'll throw myself in there instead of just saying doubtful dater. Why are we as women who are single? Why are we not able to grasp or obtain that specific man or that perfect man that we want? So it's, I'm quite sure there's things within me I know that I need to work on. But there's also thing, greater things in me that I know that I'm willing to never accept from a man due to my past experiences. This person has had experiences in the past and they were not good. Okay, so it's time for her to process and weed out a lot of that stuff from the past. Try something new. You know, it get cold and people want to cuddle and they want a cupcake and you get in your feelings and you want to make love. That's another thing. Make love to yourself. Learn how to love yourself. There's a lot of things out there that you can learn how to do to give yourself climaxes of orgasms. You don't always need a man to get that. 
That's another subject at another time. Up next, advice for mom does something she's never done before. That's right. Our podcast has a gender, and it's female, just like the future. But first, this. And now, a word from your inner monologue. I can't wait to share this podcast with all of my girlfriends. If you'd like to share this podcast, the easiest way to do so is by going to advicefrom.mom. From there, your friend can listen to the episode and find direct links to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. And no one ever has to know that your inner monologue is voiced by a Southern California mole rat. Your secret is safe with me. Adios. This is Advice from Mom. For those looking to make a friendship into a romance. Here's the question. I'm a 36-year-old gay man who has always struggled to find relationships with people who share my desire to balance the brain and the body. I usually end up settling for men who only exhibit the desirable physical characteristics or the intellectual ones. Ultimately, I'm left unsatisfied and move on quickly. When I find someone I really like, which is rare, I'm very cautious as I don't want to mess it up. I would like to find a long-term fulfilling relationship with a partner one day, but I don't want to sacrifice potential friends to do so. About a year ago, I was introduced to a man we'll call Handsome Nugget. He is a rare bird with both the brains and the body. For most of our dates, I made most of the plans. Most of the conversations were about things that he didn't like in his life, and the sex was never quite right. We formally dated for about two months before I decided to call it off, before we both grew resentful. I still really liked him, his interests, his wisdom, his body, his smile. Recently, he reached out to me when he learned about a tragedy in my life, and we've rekindled our friendship. But neither of us have made any romantic moves. He and I can talk for hours. I feel really connected to him. He is someone I would like to have in my life for a long, long time as a friend or preferably a boyfriend. How do I tell Handsome Nugget that I'm interested in dating him seriously and getting physical without putting our friendship at risk? Signed, Handsome Nugget Lover. And now, here's some advice from my mom. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to call you lovey. Just because it's a little shorter, I hope that's okay with you. The first thought I have about your situation is maybe you're going too fast. Actually, I'm really glad to hear that neither of you has made any romantic moves yet. I think that's a good sign because it means that you are taking it slowly enough. You also had mentioned that you see settling for either one characteristic or the other in the person you're looking for. And maybe that's a little bit too clear-cut, a little too black and white, because uh, people are so complex. And the other thing I'm really glad to hear is that you're being cautious, because as you put it, you don't want to mess it up. I do think that early in a relationship, there's always that 
um, concern because we don't know where the tender spots are on the person we're dating. We could hit one of their tender spots, or as I like to say, step on their toe without even realizing it. Finally, I, I was glad to hear that you acknowledged that it is rare for us to meet somebody who really, even initially, seems to be a good match. And what you're indicating is that it's a nice relationship. You enjoy the talking and the camaraderie and so forth. And that's good, but um, it's really better to have a lot of time to get to know the person well. As you know from physics even, opposites attract. So maybe you're the more verbal person. And maybe you're also the more assertive of the two of you. You mentioned that one year ago when you called it off, I'm wondering, were you disappointed at the slow rate of progress of the relationship? And if so, that would be, I think, a little bit of a red flag, a warning sign that your expectations might be too high. Or as Rebecca has said, at the point at which we are judging the other person, which is usually early in the relationship, we can't really enjoy the fun and the excitement of getting to know somebody and living in the moment and really having that wonderful experience. I think the hardest part and most important part maybe is to talk precisely about your relationship. Now that's probably not a good idea right at first because you've just met, but after you've known each other for a while, I think it's difficult to do so. But I believe that sometimes the talking and the spontaneity is the most important kind of intimacy. Even the fact that you were able to verbalize the question to us, it makes it more likely that you'll be able to say some of these important things to him as well. And believe it or not, those are the things that build the relationship. Most relationships, the only problems are the ones that we can't talk about. Here comes the hard part. Your job is to tell him what the questions are and the concerns are about the matchup between the two of you. You should do that very gently and very diplomatically. And I invite you to get curious about what his answers are going to be. Would he prefer that you be the leader? It sounds like you would make a good leader in this relationship. Mostly we don't think about it that way, that one person is a leader in a relationship. I truly think that's how it works. And uh, if one person has to do the initiation, it's not good or bad. It's just his role. So if you have trouble breaking through that discomfort of talking about the relationship, I invite you to say something like, you know, the other day I had the silliest thought. Whatever you say after that, <laughs> it will be fine. Or the other thing that I will often say is, this is hard for me to say. Whatever I say next, the person is prepared. And those are the things, the hard things to say are the ones that are most important. So here are a couple positive things I think you can say or do to help this relationship along. First of all, I think it would be great if you haven't already done it to say thank you for reaching out to me 
you know, you had a, I guess, a crisis in your life and he reached out to you. Well, there he took initiative. So please pay attention to that. And then the other thing I think is take a long-term view, especially with respect to that decision about whether to keep him in your life or not. It takes at least a year of knowing somebody and knowing them up close before you really have enough information to decide about them. If you are not comfortable making that decision yet, then just enjoy being with him. And that can take you for months and months and months. And it's really an important part of the relationship. So hopefully this will go more smoothly than you had anticipated, lovey. I've kind of gone off on a, a long soliloquy. The best way to quell a soliloquy was some mother-daughter pickleball. So you told him to take it slow. Yes. Take it slow implies that there's a right speed. What is the right speed? How do you know if you're close to a good speed for a relationship? It is a negotiation between the two of you. So often, I think we go into a situation, our thinking, of course, is about what we like about it or what we don't like about it, our own personal preferences. But the thing that we don't usually find out is what are the other person's preferences. So if you're going too fast, you'll hit a tender spot. You might, if it's a pretty unsafe relationship in the sense that uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, I'm on my best behavior, then the other person will probably not let you know that you just stepped on his toe. I don't know if I've ever shared this one with you. I had a boss many years ago, and she was amazing. She would close the door so none of the staff could hear what we were saying, and she would say, I know that there are landmines out there. I just don't know where they are, and I'm afraid to step anywhere. It was a rehab hospital. In that setting, there were a lot of landmines, and you could step on one and blow your career up or blow your job up. That ties into something else that you were saying about being vulnerable. You're building to more vulnerable parts of yourself, of sharing more vulnerable parts of yourself. Exactly. And there are people who will never, ever do that. They just are too afraid. Or maybe they've been traumatized so badly that they can't risk in relationships. Do you think there's a chance for those people to still have successful relationships? Sure. It requires them to go into uncomfortable situations. Like we always say, do what scares them takes a lot of courage because you don't know what the outcome will be. The pinnacle of vulnerability. Absolutely. Like when I said to your father after we'd been living together for quite a while, and uh, I said, why don't we get married? He said, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Dun, dun. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they've been married for over 35 years. <laughs> Yeah, but that month I lived through between Christmas and the 26th of January was very, very, very hard for me because I thought that he didn't want to get married because he didn't answer my question. And then what I found out the day before my birthday, which is January 26th. For all of you keeping note and wanting to send mom gifts, mama be gifts. Oh, stop. I mean, you dropped it, mom. You were saying you need a new pickleball paddle. Oh, you catch me every time. 
Do you want to hear the story or not? Of course. Well, you've heard this story before, I think. Ah, but our listening audience has not. (laughs) Okay. So it was the day before my birthday. Jerry said to me, do you want to go shopping? Well, this is a man who hated shopping. I mean, he'd rather pray for forgiveness on his knees than go shopping. And I said, shopping? What do you want to go shopping for? And he said, for an engagement ring. (laughs) Yeah, so you know that feeling, sweetie. I do. (laughs) So what he wanted to do in his sweet old-fashioned way, he wanted to be the one to propose. So on my birthday, we went and got an engagement ring. And I I was sort of in shock, uh, but very happy. Yeah. That gets at something else you were talking about for Lovey and his handsome nugget. This push and pull of a relationship. It's a choreography. Uh, hopefully it's a smooth dance, but maybe sometimes it also means uh, some twirling and throwing and leaping. <laughs> <laughs> to continue with the metaphor. In the case that you're talking about with Dad, you were very vulnerable by asking him that. And he responded in a way that took a month. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I just want to note something that I don't think you really acknowledged, which is there is a lot of pressure here. Oh, yes. The biggest pressure of potential, the excitement of potential, the excitement of Lovey has said, you know, he hasn't had many big, meaningful relationships in his life. And this handsome nugget it has so much potential. <laughs> exactly. If you can kind of let yourself off the hook and know that you don't have to decide this today, just get to know the person and um, try to find things that you both enjoy. And this is the part of life that is potential for joy. Give yourself that break. Um, I think after we record a couple more episodes, I'm going to make a montage of you saying lower your expectations in like 20 million different ways. Okay. Okay. So there's this perception of you meet someone, you start dating them, you fall in love, you're together forever, happy, and you skip through the fields. It's so important to emphasize atypical plot lines to love stories because there's so many of them and there's so many people that don't find love in the typical way. Like, why should you hold yourself to the standards of a story? I mean, you know, the Cinderella story is... uh is phony baloney. Last thing, I wanted to teach you something. Uh Uh-oh. Are you ready for it? I think I'm ready. I hope so. You know how you count on me to tell you the cool things that kids are saying these days? Like how you were really upset that I didn't tell you what 24-7 meant? And you had to hear it from one of your clients, and you were like, why didn't Rebecca tell me what 24-7 meant? (laughs) Oh, yeah. When you're in a rush and you're talking about people putting a name on a relationship... Okay. You can just say DTR. Define the relationship. That's what the kids are calling it, mama. Define the relationship. Oh. Oh, did you guys DTR? Oh. Thank you. I I love being taught those kind of things. You can teach it to your clients. I think that's another indicator that we're all moving so fast. We all want to know what's the outcome of this relationship. We want to know that before we can know it. You know, like I always say, bright people really want to know before they know. When you were a kid, you always wanted to know how to do it before you knew how to do it, and you'd get frustrated. I thought I knew it, and then I knew it, and then I didn't know it. Remember the practice song? Practice, practice, do it again. 
over and over till you get it that's enough i don't want to stop you i mean i know the song just goes on with those same lyrics forever but i guess maybe that's one of your big takeaways is dating is about practicing Mm. yeah and the more you date it's like (laughs) i think of it as looking for a new house it's a new house to put your heart that's right the more you look the more you'll know what you want and what you can afford and the whole deal and how hot you are and how hot you are too like hey the second opinion for this advice today comes from someone who really went the extra mile to make mama be smile i actually totally didn't mean that to rhyme it's just the life i live anyways this guy is named charlie beckerman and he's the host of the podcast serial dater so clearly he knows what he's talking about. He's done it a lot. He's also one half of the internet's premier Star Trek The Next Generation fashion blog, aptly named Fashion It So. Clearly this man has opinions, and we're about to hear some of them. And if you're wondering how he's going to go that extra mile, that's coming up next, after a second opinion. Hi, this is Charlie Beckerman. I am the creator and writer of the podcast Serial Dater. And I am here with a second opinion for Handsome Nugget Lover. This question spoke to me a lot. I think that there's a lot of confusion about um, friendships and, and when they start to evolve into something else, like what you do with them. I don't know that this advice would apply to every single situation where a friendship turns into a something more ship. But certainly given the fact that Handsome Nugget Lover has told us that they have dated previously, I'm going to glean from this that... Uh, We know that the Handsome Nugget is also gay and single. I think if you start to get out of that arena, then this advice might not apply as much, but I'm going forward with that understanding. And one of the things that I think I hear a lot from friends and, and people who I talk about relationships with is this idea that they don't want to mess up the friendship. They don't want to sacrifice the friendship. I totally understand that instinct. A really good friendship is really valuable, and especially if it's sort of someone who you are connecting with on a level more than you are with other people, the idea of potentially losing that connection can be really scary. I tried to work out this metaphor in my head. It sort of makes me think of of Schrodinger's cat, right, which is the quantum physics thought experiment of you've got this perfectly sealed box and there's a cat inside, and the question is, is the cat dead or alive? And the problem is, if you open the box to check, the cat is instantly killed. There's some mechanism in there. Not a great experiment for cat lovers. But the quantum physics takeaway is that as long as the box is sealed and you don't know what's inside, the cat is simultaneously both alive and dead. Not to get too morbid, but the thing I would sort of try and argue is that in this instance, the cat's already dead, right? You could leave the box closed forever and never find out, but like the fundamentals of your relationship have changed. So the idea is basically that there's like some sort of fancy maneuver you can do where you simultaneously get to ensure the future of the friendship while still trying to see if there's any sort of romantic connection there. The friendship has already been compromised by your feelings. It's nothing you did that was wrong. Feelings evolve, friendships evolve. I think one of the things we all, I I would encourage people to stop trying to do is to do this kind of management with the goal of no heartache. 
the question I would ask you is, can you stay friends, just platonic friends with this guy and never share your feelings for him? In this idea that a, a perfect friendship is one of complete honesty, there's no way to continue the friendship without disclosing these other feelings that you're having. And not in a disclosey, I have something serious to tell you kind of way, but just in that if you're feeling these feelings, but stopping yourself from sharing that side of you, you're not being a very good friend. What do you do when, because you've never said anything, anything to this guy, he starts dating someone else and he's like, let me tell you all about Joseph or whatever. And then you're like, fucking hate Joseph. No one likes to entertain the notion of losing a friend, but I don't know. I mean, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a romantic. I just sort of feel like dividends seem so potentially high in terms of finding really a kind of like life partner, even though it's, it's a bit risky that pushing yourself to that place, putting it out on the line is what I would tell you to do. I'm not going to say you're not going to be scared. I'm not going to say you're not going to want to throw up, but that's my advice. And now for an extra special treat. Charlie was up for spending a little bit extra time on this handsome nugget lover's question and getting on the phone with me and Mama B so we can all talk it out. This is when the titans of advice go head to head. Charlie, you should know that my mom gave handsome nugget lover a nickname. Lovey. Lovey? Lovey. She wanted something shorter than handsome nugget lover. Lovey seems really appropriate here. Yeah, I think so. I think he needs a lovey. <laughs> I'll say up front that I connected really strongly with Handsome Nugget Lover, mm. partially because of the specific situation that he's in about being in his 30s, being an attractive, interesting, social gay guy who just has not been able to get that long-term relationship going. That's almost exactly my situation where you guys remember the theme song from Friends where, you know, it feels like you're always stuck in second gear. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm always stuck in first gear and like can barely get the car out of the driveway. What I heard in Lovey's question was give me permission to not act on this. Okay. Right? I'd like someone to sort of say like, oh, I don't know, you know, back off. Mm-hmm. When we get those kinds of signals from the inner voice, the signals that, hey, slow down or be cautious or whatever it happens to be, that there is wisdom behind that and that there is some really good reason to pay attention to those signals. Definitely. It's very wise of you to humanize Handsome Nugget, who is not just a nugget, but is a human being, <laughs> and uh, and remind us that it's, it's also important for him to feel emotionally safe. It might be that Handsome Nugget's not up for another ride on the lovey coaster, but um, <laughs> I... Th- <laughs> Sorry, that... Cute. Great I, <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I'm yes. not sure if I would stand by that one in court, but... Um, My mom's had some good uh, love metaphors with roller coasters in her day. Excellent. So she knows a good roller coaster metaphor when she hears one. <laughs> it's always an up and down, especially in a new, uh, you know, a new or renewed relationship. For sure. <laughs> the other thing that I was thinking, and I guess I said to Lovey, is that I, it sounds like he's more the leader in the relationship. It's really interesting to hear you say that because one of the things I struggle with a lot, I slide really easily into the cruise director role. I'm the one who's being like, hey, should we go do this thing? Or like, when are you free to hang out? I never want to be Wiley Coyote going off the cliff 
assuming that the other person's with me, and then I look back, and they're, like, still standing on the cliff, and I'm, like, hovering over the open chasm or whatever. That's a that's a more violent metaphor than I uh, probably was, was <laughs> intending. You're allowed. It's your life metaphor, so <laughs> clearly, Charlie, you're a strong, strong leader. <laughs> the leadership role that you play doing podcasts or blogs or writing, that leadership role is a different role than you want to take with your intimates. Sure. Years ago, I had a family in, and the father was an attorney. They came in because their eight-year-old boy, he'd always been well-behaved, and all of a sudden he was acting out. At one point, I gave the parents a questionnaire that's similar to the Myers-Briggs inventory, Mm -hmm. so I could find out about the temperament type of each of the parents and then talk to them about that. And when the father heard the temperament type that he had appeared to have on paper, what he realized is that he was being a lawyer at work very successfully, and he was also being a lawyer with his kid. And his kid was like so overwhelmed when the husband said that, the wife started to cry because she had been trying to get the husband to back off for years. I think that was kind of the end of therapy because um, that's all they needed to do. The the father just needed to be in a different role with his his son. So how are you going to bring this back to love you, Mom? I'm waiting to see it. It's going to be a a triumphant triple lutz and land right back on the lovey subject. I just know it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It's going to be a triple home run or something, huh? (laughs) Or whatever you call it. I don't think we've ever used this many metaphors in any of our recorded conversations. I blame it on Charlie. New drinking game for advice from Mama is do a shot every time there's a new metaphor, and then you'll have a great night. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you two. Advice from Mom made me into an alcoholic. (laughs) Okay, I have a question for Charlie. Sure, go ahead. There's so many atypical, amazing plot lines to love and already lovey and handsome nugget have an atypical plot line to their relationship whether it ends up being love or friendship of love plot lines have you seen them played out in typical ways atypical ways um what's been your personal experience with that love like so many other life experiences is just comes in so many random different packages that the mm-hmm. best you can do is to try and condition yourself to be open to however it presents itself. Yes. And that can be really challenging. Talk about all of the subliminal messages we get from society and then parentheses Western society and double parentheses Puritan Western society. The whole arc of the monogamous relationship is hammered into us if you just watch anything on TV or or even go on Facebook. The number of monogamous couple life events that are built into Facebook's thing is just fascinating, but it also can be rough if you are one of those people who struggles in that arena. He said, talking about someone other than himself, just kidding. The surprise part of this conversation that probably no one should be surprised at is that you got unasked for therapy by having a conversation with Mama B. Welcome. I never turned down therapy. (laughs) Please don't describe my normal caring self as therapy. Come on. I'm sorry. You got a dose of therapist mothering. I appreciate anyone who's who wants to uh, help me sort out the uh, exciting. I don't even think roller coaster is the right term. Uh, it's the teacups at Disneyland of my romantic life. <laughs> Another metaphor. And do a shot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Charlie. You might start a trend for future episodes. There you go. I'm a leader, remember? Yeah, that's right. You're a leader. There you go. Up next, find out when to stop judging and start loving. But first, this. Advice for Mom is made up entirely of questions from real human creatures like... Oh, sorry, that was the part you were supposed to read. Advice from Mom is made up entirely of questions from real human creatures like you. In an upcoming episode, we'll focus on breakups and trouble at work, work woes. So if you've recently been having some trouble at work, or have gotten fired, or have gotten broken up with, or had to break up with someone, you should definitely send us a question. If you have a question for Mama B, send it to www.advicefrom.mom slash request, or call or text 7069-ASK-MOM. If you're a punk or a Pittsburgher, oi, that will be 70-OI-ASK-MOM. If you're just practical and more of a hard numbers creature, type 7069275666. And we will answer as many questions as we can on an upcoming episode. Amen to that, sister. Thanks, Robo-Rebecca. I don't think I could have done this ad without you. Oh, shockers, you are the sweetest, sweeter than candy. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to tell you about an artifact in my mom's life that inspired this episode, and probably most of the romantic notions that ran through my childhood. My mom kept an album of her adventure snapshots from before she was a mom, living in Milwaukee, Madison, Chicago, making it all the way to Philadelphia, just in time to see what Elton John was singing about. She traveled to Mexico, Machu Picchu in the early days, and spent a summer in Pisa. She was definitely a child of the flowers, and in almost every photo, there was a handsome, shaggy, mustachioed, running shorts, too short, gentle dude. The last in the string being the most handsome, with the most rabbinical beard, aka my dad. I called this artifact The Boyfriend Album. I loved paging through it when I was a kid. I was always most entranced by the photos from that summer she spent by the Leaning Tower. Especially by the dude in those photos. I don't know, there was just something about him. It wasn't, it wasn't all his tinted glasses. I know that was the 70s, that was the thing then. For the sake of this story, we will call him... Carluccio. Anyway, that's his Italian name, but... Um, and he was gorgeous. My mom met him while she was finishing up her PhD. And I know she fell for him really hard. Uh, About six months after we met, he was offered a position in Italy. He had a job teaching. He had asked me, invited me to come, and I said, yes, I'd love to do that. That's mostly where the snapshots start. Mom at the market, mom on a scooter, mom looking like she's from some famous movie poster, and always Carluccio. Right there, looking kind of skeezy, if you ask me. What happened uh, midway through one of my stays is that I realized that he was dating another woman. Uh, she was a beautiful American uh, who was living in Italy. In fact, she was a friend of mine. I was very, very upset. This does not, of course, make it into the photo album. And then about two months later, his father died. He asked me to meet him in the airport, and um, 
that was the last I saw of Carluccio. But it wasn't the last she would hear of him. I then got a phone call one day. Is Carl there? At first I was like, I wonder, I don't know. Who is this? It was his wife. I said, of course he's not here. It's very telling. So he was already, within a year of getting married, he was already running around again. So the heartbreak was balanced out by the excitement of of just the whole adventure of Italy. But wow, I never would have expected what happened. Based on what we've talked about in today's show, do you feel like you learned something from dating Carluccio? Absolutely. And um, I think I realized from the time that I met him that he was, you know, just kind of a fun-loving guy. And I was up for uh, an adventure, not quite the kind that I ended up having, but... Is there any other advice you have for people about dating that wasn't answered in any of the questions we talked about today? They say that age 28 is absolutely the first time that most people have enough life experience to know themselves, to understand the kinds of things about a serious relationship that are important and that takes so much hard work to maintain. Come on, you promised me you would tell me a boyfriend story. My boyfriend story is about my now husband. Mm. And when we went from dating to a relationship, in my mind, Mm. a lot of dating means judging, right? You're going into these situations and you're really judging, like, is this person someone either I want to go on one date with or I want to spend the rest of my life with? You're making a judgment about them. And a lot of successful relationships are about loving. And I think for me, a big change in the way that I treated Brian was when I stopped judging him and started loving him. Wow, that's beautiful. We had gone on this trip to Big Sur in California. He had this giant band van from from his touring days, and we had driven it down the coast He was just so in the moment, and we were taking all these photos, and I just realized that I was judging him. I was judging every part of it. I was um, being skeptical about how romantic this is or how fun it is, and I wasn't really being in the moment. Mm. Much like your therapist said to you, Elizabeth, you could sink this ship. I could sink that tour van (laughs) if I kept judging him. Wow. That there was no way it was going to be a successful relationship if I was always the critic. Wow, that's so good, so important. And I've never heard this from you, and it's wonderful to know how you think about it. You have to be a judge and a critic when you're first dating someone. You could date for the sake of dating, and that is certainly a fun way to spend one's time. But if you're dating for the sake of something more, then you're probably going to have some criticism or judgment or opinion on what the other person does. But it's also good to know when you need to stop judging and start loving. Wow. That's what makes this topic so interesting is it's this balance between joy and importance. It's this balance between judging and loving. It's seriousness and fun. Each person comes to the table knowing how much of that they want to bring to the other person. You know, you might meet one person and want to just be all fun and you might meet someone else and they just compel you to want to make a really big life decision. Wow. Good stuff.
Advice for Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced and edited by me, RGB. Sound editing by Brian Patrick Garza. Our theme music is by Love Jerks. It's a song called Little Less Lonesome. Album update from another part of this house. We got eight songs done. They're sounding really good, if I'm allowed to say that. I think you are. I mean, if you can't say that about your own music, why would you put your music out into the world, right? Big thanks to our guests today, Lisa Podell, Rhonda Lachey Metcalf, and Charlie Beckerman. To everyone who sent us questions, and you can be thanked in this too in the future, if you go to advicefrom.mom, not .com, and to all my friends who gave input and advice for this episode. I'm talking about Sasha and Ash and Aviva and Jane and Michael and Brad and always Brian. And to Papa B and my sister Lara for helping me organize a special birthday treat for Mama B, which you are about to hear. If you would like this birthday treat to keep on growing by wishing Mama B a happy birthday yourself, I have set up a way where you can do this by simply dialing 706-9-ASK-MOM. I promise I will never answer this line as long as you promise to always sing. Here's one for everyone's favorite pod mom. Hey, this is Brian. This is Lou. And Teresa. Jerry. And Laura. Hi, it's Aviva, your almost adopted daughter, potential future adopted daughter. Love it. Would always love to be it. Hey, Auntie Elizabeth. This is Alicia. Hi, Elizabeth. It's Ben. And Diana. Hi, this is niece Nikki. Diane, Israel says he can't sing, but he wishes you a very, very happy birthday. Israel? Yes, Elizabeth. Uh, happy birthday. Hi, this is Hillary. Hi, this is Steph and Jim and Ian. Well, I don't know how the hell you got to be 70 so quick. It's Marley, Oliver, and Heather. One, two, and a one, two, three. Hit it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday, birthday, Happy birthday, birthday, Happy 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 I want to say, Betty Ann, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. So Thank recorded? you so much. I need to keep going. What oh, you... it, just, it just took a, a, a photo. You were supposed to record this whole thing. Oh, I didn't know that. I could do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to. Would you do it and look real surprised? <laughs> yeah.